Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Welcome everybody to another outro from the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Sitting here with the Ginger Bow Hunter. How you doing, Ginger Bow Hunter? Doing, doing pretty good. Doing, doing excellent. Not doing well. Doing, <laughs> doing fantastic. Glad to be getting back into deer stuff. As y'all heard on Monday, we talked about uh, Michael's latest trail camera pull, trail camera that he had out all year on a mock scrape and a train funnel. Put it out in October. Uh, just pulled it last week, and so that was the subject. Had a lot of interesting conversation around that. So. Y'all make sure and go listen to that episode. Um, man, it's kind of weird because we've been recording deer episodes over the last couple weeks, like especially you have. We just recorded one right before this that's not going to drop yet. Uh, it'll be out Monday. And uh, I want to like do an outro about them, but we can't yet. <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've gone so deep into this stuff that I want to talk about it, but I guess we can't really do an outro about it until we actually release the episode. That's a good point. I was going to say, it's pretty fresh in the mind. It's like it's like right there. It's like oh, we gotta talk about it. It's like we can't right now. We get, we gotta leave them hanging. Yeah, for man. Monday, make it real excited for Monday's episode. But yeah, um, no. But so uh, recently, kind of like everything going on with you know Pike, you know, he's got me kind of a little excited about you know trying out some more big woods areas. And then this podcast we just recorded talking a little bit more about the big wood setting. And oh kinda, my god, and kind of getting away from oh my god stuff yeah. that we're used to hunting and trying some stuff a little bit different that might hold maybe not as many deer. But it seems like the quality bumps up a little bit in that kind of area. Mm-hmm. Well, why, yeah. why, why do you think that's the case? The quality of bucks, I think, it's what we talked to uh, Land and Legacy about. Is uh, is there's less deer? You know, there might not be as much good cover and food and everything, but there's less deer. It's probably under the carrying capacity. But then also, I don't know. Maybe it's just more difficult. Maybe less of them get killed and they get older. What do you think? Oh, that's why I'm asking you, man. Listen, <laughs> I mean, I I don't have experience really hunting that kind of stuff. I really like what I did last year in the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas. It's like that's the only like quote unquote big wood stuff I've hunted mm-hmm. in a pretty long time. I'm trying to think before that. I mean, I mean, in a really long time. It's kind of the only big wood setting I've really hunted in. And like, yeah, the deer are different. Like one thing that we had talked about actually before. Oh crap. That's what the episode we just recorded. <laughs> Dang. Well, I know. It's hard, isn't it? Well, I was going to say something that, uh, well, anyways. Well, yeah. just say it. Just say it now. Well, one thing that we talked about in this, other, this upcoming episode is the idea of like areas with some steepness of terrain, talking like mountains and stuff. Some like aggressive terrain. Aggressive terrain. <clears throat> it's like the deer aren't on top of the ridges. They're on the flat stuff, like the real like big open yep. like, areas. They're on yep. like the more steep terrain or like more like kind of subtle areas. And that's what I found out there. It's like, dude, everybody was like, man, there's not that much deer out here. I'm like, maybe there's not like a really high deer density. Mm-hmm. But like when you're on top of the ridges, you see all this nighttime sign. You're like, oh, well, I'm hunting here, but I'm not seeing anything. Running trail cameras is only at night. The second you got off onto like the steeper slopes onto like a subtle bench or something way farther down the mountain, that's when you started actually seeing deer. And there was like a lot more deer there than what yeah. I think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Just because they're like a couple hundred feet above you know, on these big flats than where the deer are spending a lot of time during the daytime. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, it's the same thing where Michael hunts. He's not necessarily mountainous, but it's low deer density and it's that same concept. I mean, uh, you, I think part of it is you just walk through such large areas where there's no deer activity really going on that you're just like, man, this place is void of life. But you hit that pocket and you're kind of in them. And I, like, I've had a little bit of success hunting big woods mountain stuff. And the last one where I killed that doe at our big North Alabama camp a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. it was like we started literally at the base of the mountain and we walked all the way up the mountain and there was like no deer sign until you hit like there was like a, a like knife edge to the ridge, like where the ridge came down and it like came to a point. 
like the whole ridge came to a point and dropped way down all the way down to the road and uh you keep going up that and it's real steep and real steep and real steep and then you get to a certain part and it just flattened out and there's just nice little flat it's not really even like a bench it's just like a flat spot where it's like almost like a step and it doesn't wrap around the side of the hill it's just that point was like dropping down it's steep it flattens out for just a minute it's like a shelf and uh as soon as you hit that it was just like tore up tiller I, and I was uh, climbing up the tree and I was like two steps up and I look over and there's a deer standing there eating. And then it was just one of those moments where I was like, okay, if you do things right, you're going to kill a deer today. Yeah. And then I was in the stand for like five minutes and shot one. Well, I was going to say, speak about, you know, deer hunting and everything. You and Colton went scouting in an area. Oh, yeah. And, and, and got, got some got some interesting, I guess, details. Like, yeah, you told me a whole bunch about it because I've been gone. I've been... Tennessee, North Carolina, in the last two weeks. Yeah, dude, uh, it. It's the first day I've been back. Like, I, yeah, I've only traveling been, man. Yeah, fourteen days. I've only been home for like thirty six hours. I know, so. right? Uh, yeah, me and Colton went on a, went on a turkey hunt. It was probably my last turkey hunt of the year. Um, did a lot of walking, not a lot of shooting or seeing or hearing or anything else. But you know, it's always good to get out and spend some time with Colton. Um, and yeah, we went to our first spot and uh, just kind of tried to listen and, and went into a spot blind that is an area I'm interested in deer hunting. And we kind of went in before daylight and we got in there. And for what this area is, the, the timber was way thicker than I thought it was going to be. Like we got up in there. I'm like, there's not, I mean, there might be a turkey in here, but uh, it was just super thick timber. And so we sat there and we listened and then we ended up backing out and uh, trying a couple different spots. And one cool thing that noteworthy is uh, we found an American chestnut tree. So uh, for anybody unfamiliar, an American chestnut tree is functionally extinct. Um, they still exist. There's still millions of them across their range, but they mostly exist in the form of like stump sprouts. And uh, they used to be the most prominent tree east of the Mississippi River. So most trees around east of the Mississippi River, especially in the mountainous areas, were American chestnut trees. And it just like you think, it's a true chestnut. It makes a big, giant chestnut. Uh, it's really good food for bears and deer and turkeys and squirrels and all kinds of stuff. And what I was telling you guys is, like, if you read old accounts of them, they bloom white in the summertime. And uh, there'd be so many of them blooming on the mountains that the mountains look snow-capped in like June or whenever they bloom. And uh, and then in the early 1900s, uh, through, I think it was ornamental plants, of course, from Asia, uh, there was a fungus called a blight brought over, and it literally killed them all. Literally killed all of them. Uh, and so now you just never find, like, big ones anymore. But, and you really don't see very many stump shoots or anything. And we were walking, and I saw, like, the leaf, and it has a very distinct leaf, like, big serrations in it. I was like, man, what is that? Because I'm always like looking and everything, especially this place. I'm not super familiar with it. So I'm paying like extra attention to the plants and everything, trying to learn. I was like, that looks familiar. And I kept looking at it. I'm like, man, that kind of looks like a chestnut. And I took some pictures of it and uh, and kind of didn't really think anything of it until Monday. And uh, I was going through pictures from this, this weekend on Monday. And I look back through. I'm like, man, that really looks like a chestnut. And so I start looking it up. And I'm like, I swear, I think that's an American chestnut. And so I ended up reaching out to uh, one of my old professors from the Auburn School of Forestry, and uh, Auburn confirmed it was an American chestnut, which is super cool. Um, there's an organization out there called the American Chestnut Foundation, and uh, they're trying to basically reintroduce those trees through like a breeding program 
where they cross it. I think they cross it like once with a Chinese chestnut, which is resistant to the blight because it's from where the blight's from. And just to get that resistant strain in there and then uh, and then just rebreed it, you know, to have like a basically what's it's not going to be 100 percent American chestnut, but it's like a 99 percent American chestnut with that Chinese gene in there to protect it. And so they're going to repopulate. They're going to try to repopulate with that. And so when you find one, you can t- send them some leaf samples and stuff. And uh, and I guess they genetically sequence it or whatever for their genetic diversity because they they need as many as they can to get genetic diversity in their program. So basically, their trees aren't inbred. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I think I'm going to go do that. Send them some samples. So so it's like they got their own COVID vaccine, you know, for these trees. Yeah. <laughs> they get their own blight vaccine. Got to get that that Chinese genetic in there. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, probably won't but happen. Also, also when you when you're talking trees and plants, is it called? Is it actually called breeding? Is that, is that the? Is that the, I don't I don't know. I, was, I, was, I don't know if that's that's like, what I was thinking. I don't think that's the term. Was, no, I think it is. I don't know. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, but yeah, American chestnut trees. I've heard some rumors. I think it's called cross pollination. Uh, maybe because you know breeding means there's sex. I don't know if trees are doing it out in the woods. Well, oh, you never know. <laughs> the wind gets to going. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're doing, rubbing up on each other. I, was, I wonder what all that noise is. <laughs> yeah, God. you see where the limbs rub on each other. That's what. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, talk to some locals around there, and there's rumors of the place that I'm trying to go on Saturday. Uh, there's, there's bigger ones up in there. There was actually one in the, not right there, but in the general region uh, that was found in like 2006. It was like 85 feet tall, and it was like a huge deal because it was like a big mature chestnut that was blooming and dropping nuts every year. And uh, they came in and did all kinds of studies with it. And, uh, I think they actually come in with that genetic program. I think they actually come in and like clip the flowers off or, or get um, cuttings, the catkins, which hold the pollen mm. and uh, and bring those in. So, they, again, they can cross pollinate and everything mm. and get genetic diversity in their program. So uh, it's, a, it's a long-term plan. I read I was reading their plan and it's like 2017 through 2027 or something doing that. So. You know, probably, I'll probably never shoot a, a big old buck under a chestnut tree, but maybe my son or my grandson will. Who knows? Mm, I don't know. How big was that tree that you found? It was a stump sprout. Oh, it was. A, that was so really? it was. It was. Uh, it, the base of it where it had died from was actually pretty sizable. Um, but it it had died and it had like two or three shoots coming off of it, <clears> like <throat> the size of my calf, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once they start getting some size to them, that's usually when the blight kills it again. So, oh, so the blight kills it. <clears throat> it grows up. Blight kills it. It dies back. So blight's still active, like in this, in like. In oh yeah, like you can't like that. They're literally functionally extinct. Oh, I see which means mm. that they can't really breed or anything. So that's another reason why their uh, the the I, program is so expensive or so important because no one knows. It's unclear how long those stump sprouts will last. So there's still all these stump sprouts out there, and we can go out there and we can get samples from or whatever right now, but. Uh, at, at some point they're going to die. Just like if you're burning a pine stand and you kill all that privet or those sweet gums and they stump sprout the next year and you burn it again and they stump sprout the next year and you burn it again and then they're dead. Uh, so no one knows how, how long those, those trees will actually mm. last. So I don't know, just a cool <laughs> piece of, you know, if you're into any kind of natural history or anything like that, it's a big cultural tree. It's good firewood. A lot of furniture is made from it. It's hard like oak, but light like pine. Real uh, rot resistant. It was a big timber. It's a big uh, commercial timber item. 
back when they still existed. So, mm. yeah, neat stuff. Uh, I was all excited. You kind of got to be like a forestry nerd, I guess, because I was texting Colt about it on Monday. I was like, dude, it is an American chestnut. He was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he works like in that industry. Yeah, he's so. a forester. He's a registered forester. So, yep. That was cool. Um, other than that, man, we just walked our freaking butts off and uh, did not hear any gobbles. Found some sign, found some dust bowls, but it was just. What about the deer sign, bro? I mean, listen, like, forget. The, you know, we walked. A long ways, a long, and we weren't on the main spot, but uh, we were at first, and we ended up pulling out because there's somebody where I wanted to go. Um, but man, we walked six miles, and I didn't find a scrape or rub, like nothing, which uh, just where we were, I kind of expected that. We were finding plenty of tracks and everything, but just the buck sign totally eluded me. I d- I did not find any buck sign. I wasn't looking super hard, but in that amount of walking, I feel like I should have crossed a rub or a scrape of some kind, especially mm-hmm. we walked a fire break for a lot of that, and uh, I didn't find anything on the fire break. Have you excited to go hunt now? Uh, this this isn't even in a place I was interested in deer hunting. Mm. So the place I was interested in deer hunting, we tried to go to, but there was somebody camping uh, near the, uh, you know, I just can't say, I can't <laughs> say why we didn't go in there. Here, you know, what? I'm going to mark it. And I'm gonna cut. It. So yeah, that was uh, that was kind of our hunt, man. It was it's tough. I hate to be like one of those people who's like, well, they're done with you know the turkeys are done, but sure felt like it. I don't think that they are, but it sure felt like they were. So I went to Mark's Outdoors today. Yeah, we're about to do a podcast there in the morning, and uh, and I was talking. To, Robbie was there, you know, mm-hmm. the bro tech. Of course, listen to the podcast and everything. And Robbie came up to me. We were talking about turkey season because I was talking to him about you know he goes up to North Georgia every year to like mm-hmm. and does like a you know a bear hunt you know archery bear hunt. And I was talking to him about it. I was like, man, I was like, dude, you know, you excited for the mouse this year? And yeah, we were talking about. It. I was like, well, he's asking me about turkey season, and he's like, man, he's like, I've been freaking wearing mountain public land. He's like, I went to Georgia two days, killed two birds. You know, went to Tennessee, same thing, Alabama. He said they went. He did. Eight, he held, he's hunted eight days or turkey season on public land. I think like, one of the days back in Alabama was on private and killed six birds in eight days uh, on eight hunts, like eight hunts, six birds. And, uh, and one of the hunts, it screwed up because he had two mountain bikers come in. Oh my God. He was, yeah. Had mountain bikers come in and they were like, he's like, he heard this dude, like birds are three strutters are coming towards him on this little logging path and up above him on the ridge top. Like he hears someone be like, Oh man, like you like yell, oh man, it's steep down here, or whatever. And freaking like he's like, what the heck? Because he didn't know he didn't know the trail was there, and the trail was like six yards above him. And he looked up and it's these two dudes flying on freaking mountain bikes. And the freaking birds just like gone. And, like, <laughs> and he's like, man, that screwed me up because like he's like, you know, it would have been seven for, you know, seven for eight, really. But anyways, yeah. um, it, it was super interesting talking to him, but he was telling he was telling me, you know, his his little secret. I forgot we should have inter- we supposed to interview him. I don't even know if I want to say it, but he does something <sighs> very specific. Do you remember? Uh uh-uh. uh. What it is? Oh, you don't remember uh-uh. what it is? He has a very specific tactic that he has a ton of success with. Man, why haven't we interviewed Robbie yet? I, well, what I forgot. I forgot about. It. I talked to him before turkey season. And I was like, oh yeah, we'll get you on. I told totally him. Dang about. it, Jake. Um, save him for next year. Well, do you want me to tell you what he does, or we just want to say it for next year? Uh, well, give us an overview. I mean, we still have to. Well, I mean, him. he 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 even on public land, he's a huge proponent of gobbling at turkeys. Oh, and that like seals. He's like, dude, that's what it is. He told me too. He's like, that's what it is. He's like, that is why, like, 
I have like as much success as I do is the gobbling when I go out there because like they just don't hear it a whole bunch mm-hmm. and like they're they're pretty even though they're getting called to and stuff they're they're fairly aggressive when they think there's another gobbler in the area yeah and it's like dude he's like that's what seals the deal every single time man yeah we need to talk to him that that would be interesting we've talked to people who do that but uh, haven't had like a really in depth conversation I don't think about it no um, I remember early on in the podcast we, we remember we. That was like 2018 or whatever. Like first oh, year. yeah, I remember. And someone told us about doing it. We did it like in a box called that one hunt. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like, well, nothing happened. We walked to get like 50 yards on the spot and two gobblers run off the Dude. side of the ridge. Pow, yeah, pow. running down. They're gobbling, running we're down like, to the what spot. Do we do? Yeah, and we're like, oh, crap, we're out of position. <laughs> and he got busted trying to make a move on him. It was oh, hilarious. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. Actually, I didn't. It still haunts me. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, man. But, uh, no, other than that, dude, uh, I, I was gonna say I haven't been, I haven't done a, a ton other than recording a bunch of podcasts. Like again, get back from Tennessee yep. or North Carolina last week. Did the whole nab to you know North, you know the verse or uh, <laughs> North American Versal Hunting Dog Association. Yeah, natural but this ability natural abilities test for pepper. It's a mouthful. Um, and then get back, and then pretty much like a day and a half later, went back up, went to Tennessee, and was pretty much like house sitting for Nick Adair. The old gun dog yourself podcast, yeah, watching boy. the farm, watching his dogs and taking Pepper up there and did some dog training. And uh again, nothing deer related wise while I was up there, pretty much just working and doing some stuff around the, his place. Uh, yeah, just trying to keep all the animals alive. He's got chickens and freaking <laughs> ducks. Keep all the animals and pigeons. freaking pigeons and all this crap that he uses the pigeons for dog training and that's like his most prized possession. That's He's like, but behind, like behind the dog, the next most important thing of all the other animals is the pigeons. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, he better not come back and find a dead pigeon. Dude, I'm telling you, he told me, he's like, do you fly the birds? Because like he let us them out and they fly and they home back. Yeah. And I did one day, it stressed me out so much. I'm like, I'm not letting them back out. You're like looking for hawks. You're like, please Dude, don't get I'm, I'm like, because it would be my thing. This like pigeon gets smacked by a hawk. And I would I'll just n- get smoked. I, and I'll there. never hear the damn end of it. <laughs> From Nick, he'd just be like, he's like, hey, oh no, it'd be, it would, yeah, never Man, hear you that. You'd have Nick a pigeon, you'd have to go down to Walmart and trap one. <laughs> <laughs> just put a new one in there. He's like, he's like, why did he's like, never know? It's like that one looks different. <laughs> be like, yeah, multi. <laughs> oh god, but yeah. Anyways, oh, yeah, it's craziness. But uh, yeah, dude. Um, other than that, just no- nothing crazy. But I've been super excited. As we kind of get to the deer content, doing more of these deer episodes, and also the Southern Water side, <clears throat> doing some other episodes, I've been finding pretty interesting recently. Um, but it's dude, it's like this fall. I'm so excited for this fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, me too. Like just because the opportunity, kind of like what we got going on, rocking and rolling, doing a bunch of different trips. Uh, just a lot, like <laughs> a lots on the books, a lots on the table, and uh, the con like the you know the podcast episode should be pretty awesome. You know, with us doing some of these interviews, especially in kind of a focus is trying to do a lot more interviews in person with some of these different guests. And kind of like what I would recommend, you know, we mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago, but like guys, if you have anybody that you would recommend, like, hey, maybe it's this, you know, you got a, a, like a guy that's like, you know, this guy might be in, this guy might be worth like interviewing uh, in, in one of these, you know, whatever the state is, you know, maybe he does something that you find very interesting. is just very successful on public land, private land, whatever, definitely like a woodsman. You know, let us know because we're trying to fill up our, our calendar um, mm-hmm. as we're trying to look to do some of these different trips, you know, throughout the Southeast and do stuff in person with guys and try to line some interviews up. So, again, get that local guy that you're like, man, this guy would be pretty interesting to talk to. You know, let us know who that is and we'll try to do everything in our power if, if we think that he'd be a good fit or they'd be a good fit on the podcast to get him on the show. So, yeah, 100%. 100%. So, 
Um, oh, so a couple things we were going to talk about on this uh, as we were talking about this episode is kind of like some of that versatility, kind of opening up some of these different opportunities of some of the places we were talking about hunting. Um, you know, we've been for the last couple of years like, man, we need to get a boat. Like, oh, it, yeah. Like, we're like, every year, for the last two years, like, man, we just need a boat and we could like hunt so many more places that we just don't hunt really or like we don't have like the best option to get in there. And you uh, got that Hobie. Yeah, well, yeah, we got you got the kayaks and everything, which is fine. Like if you're going like within like a mile and a half, whatever, maybe two miles, as long as you're like you're not going across current, mm-hmm. like you can do it. Like, uh, like you know, was it last year or the year before last that you got in your Hobie and you went past that buck a couple times? That was the uh, 2020 2021 season. Oh wow, yeah, I know because yeah, it wasn't this last season because I thought that too. I was wondering that, and that was from yeah, like. Two you got you got to describing that on one of those shows that we're going to release later. That I, when I was editing it, I heard it and I was like, you Did I? Talking, "Yeah, you were talking about that spot." And I was like, "Did he? Was that last? Did he not oh, go back and hunt that?" No, I didn't hunt it last year. Mm. No, I did because well, because mm. when you're supposed to hunt it, I was in Iowa. Because that, oh, that, that yeah, yeah, late December, January, and like I was in Iowa, and I'm like, dude, I'm like you know, mm-hmm. didn't even think about it. Which oh, I'm like oh, what? I found some more details out about. That area Actually, in Iowa or no, yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah, <gasps> I like some sl- mech slammers. Look, Whoa, monster, yeah, Whoa. Monster. And, it's, and it's like, uh, I'm like, I might, we might need to put some more time into that. I area. might need to pause this recording and talk about this real quick. <laughs> I have to show you the photos. What, who, who are you talking to? I can't tell you on the podcast. Oh. I'll have to show you after the podcast. Actually, oh actually I have to pull them up right now. Yeah, pull them up, pull them up you know, while up. we're talking about it. So, and uh, this, you know, you know. Would you consider that like a big wood setting? <laughs> what you're talking about? Um, not there, but like there's parts of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like where we turkey hunted, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. not, not, not where we deer hunt. Hey, you know, I was fishing down there mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago or a month or two ago, mm-hmm. sometime in February, and uh, I, I, I spooked a deer off the bank, and it went running up the mountain, and it had. I can't remember if it had like an arrow in its leg or something. What? Yeah. It was, or no, I think it was a, I think it just had like a wound where it had been shot in the leg and its leg, it was bedded like almost down at the water. And I was going by, I was crappie fishing and it got up and it ran up the hill and its leg was just like flapping all over the place. I think it was a little buck. Um, But yeah, he had a, a bad day, I guess. This is them. You, you guys see the whole, the whole thread, but like that's them and like came from that area and then also another area. Whoa. <clears throat> but. Oh, wow. Okay. That first one though. Dang. Who's this cat? Well, talk well, to this guy. Oh, well, just, you know, you have to follow on that thread and, you know, put stuff together two to two. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Can't sit here, go through all. Yeah, no. Okay. Comments. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. That first one is a. You see, no, what about the velvet photo? I didn't see the velvet photo. Oh, yet. keep going then. Because that velvet—that's from that place. Really? Did you get see the velvet photo? No. I don't the see two bucks? No, I don't see a velvet photo. Oh, uh, I wonder if you deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be like maybe. Oh, whoa! Okay, yeah. hold up. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude! That one on the right's humongous. Are you kidding me? Dang. <laughs> People are really enjoying the podcast right now. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, yeah, we gotta put that up. Yeah, just looking at pictures that people can't see. Wow. Okay. So yeah, those are some really big deer. That's uh, that's what I'm talking about. Does mm-hmm. that change your perspective on that whole rut bed situation and, and anything like that? Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it to me it tells me like probably need a, it'd be an interesting spot to put a camera. 
mm-hmm. and check out. And it, mm-hmm. maybe like so much talking about that. Well, see, people don't even understand what we're talking about because they haven't heard that episode where we talk about that again. All right, Do you re- want to briefly describe that setup real quick? Um, yeah. So, th- so there was a situation back this is back 2020, 2021 season where we were going in and there was a location that where there was a quite a, quite a few deer. Actually, I saw 38 deer in one day out there. Most deer I've ever seen in Alabama, like public land period. Uh, but, uh, there was a lo- there's a spot where like this creek makes like this it's like an S like a big wide S bend like kind of goes back and forth and that secondary ridge point kind of comes out into like that big bend in the creek and there is like there's a location there where there's these two huge pine trees and I walked in there after an all day hunt I was coming back and had you had to go across the secondary point to get back to like your access point uh, your, or your access for the spot. And as I was going up over that secondary point, uh, which has other ridges around it, it's like in a hub. It's like in a like a like a almost like a bowl uh, of sorts. There was a big buck bedded there, like bedded right between these two pine trees, big pine trees. And it was like just it was after dark, probably like an hour after dark, because it took me a while to get out of the stand and you know pack everything up and get out of there. And I like bumped my come up over the ridge, and I hear something stand up. I look down with my headlamp, and he's like thirty five yards, and all I see is like big body in a frame. I'm like, that's a freaking big dude. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm trying to look at him through the binos, and it's like hard to like put your binos up, even like in the dark. You get your headlamp on, you're just like trying to look at him. So like all you can see is his frame. I can't camp points or anything. Yeah, and uh, big he, framed out deer. Yeah, he like gets up and like goes down, goes across the creek, goes up the other side of the other, other ridge point. I'm like, okay, that was cool, but like, okay, like you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. He's better there. Well, I leave and I come back to hunt. I think it was the it was the next day. I was like, I'm coming back in there because I found like it was like the rut was on, like it was kicking. Mm-hmm. And um, come back in the next morning and like I'm coming in and start going up that creek because that's the axis. Like you gotta go along the creek, anyways. And like I get to like almost the bottom. There's actually a big scrape down there below that that secondary ridge point where he was bedded. And it's kind of open. I'll say this: it's kind of open on the ridge. It's not like during the daylight, you're standing there like, dude, this looks like too open. Like if there was leaves on some of the shrubs and stuff, like okay, there's some cover here, but the leaves are off, and it's like mm-hmm. you can when you're standing there, you can see like pretty well. Yeah. If you're like kneeling on the ground, like okay, there's a little bit of cover, but still something like you wouldn't expect like a deer to bed in. Mm-hmm. Well, in the morning, like there's a big scrape you gotta walk past or like come come somewhat with you know within you know 20 yards of. I could tell it had been worked. And I come past it and I look up that second ridge point because I got to go over the top of it to get back to where I was going. And I look up and I see eyes again in that same spot next to those pine trees. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if that's the same freaking deer, dude. Like, I'm one, I'm like, did he come back? Like, literally, because this is like seven hours later. Like, I was back in there. Yeah. No, no, probably 10 hours later. I think, but yeah, like 10 hours later. And I, I, I get to the base of the hill and it's just sitting there. And then all of a sudden it stands up. And I'm like, looking at it. And I'm like, I, it's it's probably 45 yards from me maybe with my headlamp and I'm like you, all you see is the eyes Yeah, you barely can see anything about the body and I start easing up there I get to a certain point I'm like I think I see this frame and it like turns and like doesn't blow or anything just turns and just kind of like doesn't run off but like turns and like just walks off like goes over the back side of the ridge really where I'm going and like I don't know where it goes mm-hmm. so like I get up there I'm like it's gotta be that same freaking deer bed at the same spot I get over the other side and it's gone like it you know it left and uh, I think I was telling you and i talk, talked about this on the podcast and i talk about it in a future episode that i'm kind of kicking myself of like not maybe not hunting it there that day but coming back in there that afternoon or yeah. the and like hunting in that area like watching that secondary ridge point 
or coming back the next morning and getting across the creek on another ridge where mm-hmm. I could see to that secondary ridge point. Yeah, and, and like catch watch him it. coming to get back in that bed, or him already be there at daylight, potentially leave there right around daylight. Yeah, because that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like he was coming there right around dusk, laying down, and what he was doing. There's a four or five big trails that crossed like in and around this point where he was bedded at. Yep, and clearly he's bedded there. What I'm looking at is during the rut, at least during nighttime hours, trying to catch does crossing right there. And this is a high odd spot where like he can hear and see and smell everything coming around him. Yep. So if a doe comes through, she's hot. He's all he's automatically on. He's he's ready to go. That's nice that to find something like that, but also get the confirmation that you saw a buck in it twice. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's in the matter of like less than twelve hours. That's super nice to get that confirmation because a lot of times when you're finding beds, dude, you're just like it's a bed. But I haven't been back in there in over a year. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, we're no, we're notorious <laughs> for finding stuff like that. Like, oh man, we got a big buck here. Oh, yep, I ain't been back yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, well, it's that wanderlust. Yep, it happens. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls. But they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call. And you just need to go look it up. It's very, it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But that's that's an area after talking about on that specific podcast you're talking to, like on a future episode that we recorded, uh, it definitely is something that I'm now interested in kind of going back to that. And that's not, that's not really, that's not mountains or anything like that, but it makes me more interested in going back and checking some of those spots out and seeing what the activity is like, because that area is more open than not. Yeah. But now knowing after talking to some of these different mountain guys, again, this isn't mountains at all, but it's like now knowing like how some of these bucks bed in more open areas and they're betting more with a visual advantage. I now can see how bucks could, be in this area and even does too mm-hmm. and they're just bedding in areas that like compared to other areas that you and me hunt yeah it's a lot thicker they're bedding in stuff or around stuff that like we would never even think of like in some of these other pieces of public land that we hunt on uh just because how, how open some of the stuff is what well, i mean it's open like there's some areas are you're on the ground on some of these ridges and like you can see 250 yards yeah and then other areas you might get into a spot and there's like you might have some cane or something like that on some of these ridges and like you can't see 30 or 40 yards Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just thick enough. Where I'm like, okay, I bucked bed on the edge of this, uh, of this and see you coming from a distance, hear you coming from a distance and kind of doing like what some of these guys you hear about, especially that hunt mountains, that buck either stays there or it just kind of gets up and eases out of there before you're ever even close enough to really truly see him. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, super interesting, but back to the whole boat thing we're working on, we're working <laughs> on some stuff. I was up in Tennessee. I was like trying to like talk to some guys up there uh, that had some boats. Cause I'm like, Especially like Arkansas and a couple other states I want to go to. I'm like, I real like I've I've got a motor. I just need like a decent boat. And I don't want a little like flat bottom boat just because mm-hmm. like the weight capacity. Yeah. Like you, you get like a standard like a 
like a 36 inch wide, 14 foot boat, uh, uh, like flat bottom job. Yeah. It's like capacity, weight capacity, like 400 pounds, which you get two guys in there in your motor. And your gear. Especially you know, two fellas like us. Oh, two, a fella <laughs> There's a your 400 pounds. Yeah, a fella and a half. You know, me and, you know, a little, you know, stick guy. There. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're max, maxing her out. We're, we're barely, we're treading water. Um, <laughs> but I want, I want to try to get like a modified V-hole. Uh, oh, Catman. You need old Jonathan Bones, uh, Bones boat. Uh, something like that where you can you can get some weight in it, but also you can like navigate some of these waterways a little bit better. You uh, go crappie fishing in it. I don't even care. I mean, yeah, that's nice, but I don't even care about that. I'm talking about like specifically hunting purposes. But yeah, definitely could do some fishing with it. Um, and have like a decent trailer because that's another thing. Did you do look at some of these boats? And they got these little nine inch, ten inch wheels on them, tires. I'm like, dude, that's just I, all I can imagine. Is a, flying all, off. All I imagine is like a, the bearing, the bearing, the bearings. I can't talk melting in them. I don't care if you agree they're just melting because like, you're going at 75 miles an hour driving up on I-40 or whatever and uh, freaking just they melt off and the freaking tire comes, the whole that's a tire the whole wheel just comes flying off and I'm like no I want some like bigger tires on that freaking trailer but uh, anyway yeah that's that's something I've been talking about talking to my brother that's up there too it's like man just you have some where you have some versatility like you're mm-hmm. not this gives you different options. That's the cool thing about like when you're hunting public land, they can get different options. Like, you know, if we had a helicopter, we could fly into some areas. I'd do that too, but mm-hmm. like, you know, helicopter budget. So <laughs> maybe one day and, and get that Randy Newberg money or, you know, we're flying in air. Oh yeah. Everyone got all mad at him because he helicoptered into a spot one time. Well, <laughs> yeah. Cause I think it was like landlocked. He was trying to make a point. Yeah. Of the, you know, about landlocked land. Uh, and some people took it the wrong way. There was another, there's someone else that did, Maybe it was. Maybe he did it again. There was another video I saw on YouTube. He might, might have doubled down. I think he did. I think he did because there was a video from like Ron's last like, year. You're so rich. And they went elk hunting in an area that was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was landlocked, and it was like, so he took a helicopter. Yeah, I'm like, that's, all, oh, in protest, but oh. also I guess he was like, he's like, heck yeah. I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's pretty sweet. And like as long as there's animals there, it would suck. You go to one, you spend, oh my you spend fifteen hundred dollars to get there, and there's like nothing. Like <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Oh my gosh, you're just there for like seven days, dude. Speak about that uh me and Andrew, or not andrew me and nick were talking i was up there uh, in tennessee and he's like he's like yeah he's like you know just turned 26 and he's like man he's like yeah jake you know you're getting to the age now man you know you gotta start watch what you're eating bro it's gonna be a lot harder to lose that weight and he, he, he's like dude you can't be going back to like you know back in you know 2018 2019 and you're now talking about going getting the elk shake eating you know baconators and stuff in that one video you know and I'm oh yeah like, that's a good video and i'm like yeah i'm like oh, that's, that's a good point yeah I was gonna say we're gonna start hunting mountains and more big wood setting, dude. Yeah, yeah. I've already, dude. I've already started losing some. I, did, you know what I started doing? What? I just start. I just bought a bunch of granola bars, and not like the real sugary ones. And I just keep them in my truck. And so, like, that's just what I eat for lunch these days. And I'll eat like a big dinner. But, uh, but yeah, that helps me when I'm out and about, so I don't go and get a freaking baconator or something when I get hungry. I just pop one of those. Hey, let's out. let me tell you something about Andrew, guys. Let me tell you something about Andrew. Uh, if you're in the truck with Andrew, <laughs> you're just driving somewhere. You're like, man, are you hungry? Yeah. Bro, you want a baconator? And Andrew, <laughs> dude, the <laughs> lights in his Andrew's eyes, there's like a twinkle there. A baconator? Like, oh, like it, hell yeah! Every single time, like, dude, if we're on a trip anywhere, it's like it don't matter where. Oh, dude, like, hey, dude, all the new baconator? listeners might not know the story. Man, that first time we went to Wyoming, let me tell y'all something about some baconator. Yeah, 2017. 2017, went to Wyoming and, and freaking hunted hard for like five days. Both killed bucks. We're out in the cold, you know, and sleeping in the truck. On the way back, we stopped and got three Baconators. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a 27-hour drive back home, and we, we had three Baconators <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> and, the, and they got progressively better as we got closer to the south. That is true. So the first one was in Casper, Wyoming. Yeah. And it was dry. Yeah. It just wasn't greasy like they ought to be. 
<laughs> and the next one was in Nebraska. Or was it Kansas City? Kansas City? No, I think it was in Nebraska. Okay, somewhere. okay, okay. Because it wasn't that long. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it, was it wasn't Nebraska. that long yeah, afterwards. And we're, we're like, I was like, you want another Baconator? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we ate that one, which, by the way, the Wendy's in Casper, Wyoming, had a sign that said, Welcome Hunters, which was nice. Oh, yeah. But Wyoming is very hunter-friendly. We're going back there in September, so. Yeah. And uh, and so the, the one in Nebraska was, was also dry. Mm-hmm. A little bit better. A little slightly better. And then we hit... Good old Arkansas. It, was baby. it Arkansas or Missouri? Oh, it was Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh, remember yeah, it was exactly. Arkansas. And then we got that Baconator. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, baby. This is how God intended the Baconator to be. I'm talking about grease dripping out of the out of the wrapper. Melted cheese. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm talking about nothing hits the spot. Like a big old freaking Baconator. After you've been eating like instant mashed potatoes and beef jerky all week. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's man. a can tuna. Like, oh, oh, yeah, just or like, or like, or like that bag of chicken. What was that like, Tyson? Like, yeah, you were like, we can make some goulash with it. I'm like, what the hell is goulash? And you were like, putting like a beef jerky and instant mashed potato. No, no, no. We put chicken, like like pre cooked canned chicken or something. Instant mashed potatoes. Add some cheese to it, bro. You eat it. Oh, it's it's, 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 it's it's a case. It's a it's a KFC famous bowl, but Jacob style. Oh yeah, dude. We're eating this big old uh, Nature Valley like. XL bars. Oh, those protein bars that have like 11 grams of protein in them, but they're like they're freaking the size of like your iPhone. They're like ginormous. <laughs> <laughs> you're like eating this freaking brick up there. Like, oh, yeah. I remember like because they were like chocolate peanut butter. That I can never eat one of those again. Oh, we, we ate so we many. We ate of them. so many of them. Like they're like, dude, these are good. And by like the fourth day, I'm like, I'm so tired of this. Cause like <laughs> I was like handling the food for the trip. Yeah. I had pre-packaged like Okay, we got like a hot breakfast. Dude, we there's got, like a gallon we, Ziploc and it had breakfast, lunch, and dinner in For like every single day for like seven days for us. Yep, like so individual. Had 14 so like you just like leave the truck, you grab one bag and just go in because we're one, we did one overnight trip. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's it, was, a story. it was a little rough. That's a story. <laughs> yeah, I might want to go somebody that story. Go back and look at that episode. I was um, telling that story at work the other day because uh, I don't know. They asked me about something. I was like, well, one time. Andrew doesn't have, he has a very low hiking, camping IQ. Yes. He's like, oh, dude, you know, it's, you know, freezing temperatures. Oh, I don't need a sleeping pad. I got tw- I got zero you know, degree sleeping bag. I was like, I'll sleep on some pine limbs like Jeremiah Johnson. Didn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, didn't work out oh, at all. Dude, 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 listen, listen. So I saw, oh, this is hilarious. Did you see what uh, Ranella posted mm-hmm. uh, like today about his books? Hold on. You got to look at this real quick because this is what I want to bring up. Like, so when we were sitting there on the side of the mountain, like freaking like freezing to death in our freaking sleep bags, it's like, you know, I felt like I got in the sleep bag and like I was warm when I got in and all of a sudden, like it got a little clammy and the next thing I know, I was just cold because <laughs> like, like you just like get a little sweat in there and you're like, oh, you're screwed. Well, dude, freaking Ranella just posted this and I cried laughing. Look at this. So, it, it, you know, he just wrote that book of like, you know, outside kids and inside world. And, uh, this is someone has sent him that. So read, read that for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it says, how can I be cold but my balls are sweaty? <laughs> and <laughs> the untold truth about sleeping bags. <laughs> Dude, that is 100,000% true. Freezing to death. And it's like, yep, well, now. Yeah. And I'm still sweaty. Yeah. It's like, what? What is, what is going on here? I don't understand. It. I don't understand these physics so oh gosh that is funny yeah yeah that was that was was hard lessons you know we hiked all the way up there and we're like 
yes like we're like we're so happy we got like all the way into this hard spot and then we turn around and there's like this guy walking by with a mule we're like, <laughs> like literally like 60 yards from yeah, where he's like looking it. over at us he's like who are these morons yeah freaking like oh yeah yeah so but yeah good God, time fun trip good Gosh, time that was a fun trip anyway that, hey that's awesome we took you that's when you had that single cab f-150 without cruise control and oh, we took that all the way out, like seventeen hundred miles each direction. Uh-huh. Yeah, while long. pulling a six foot enclosed trailer or four foot enclosed. And trailer. we took that enclosed trailer off off road and some rough crap. You remember we were like driving yeah. down that road and that thing was like hopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Not not great. We stayed, and then that one night we got we got a room at the Bear Tooth Inn. Is that what it was called, Cody? Oh man, it was name well, yeah name water. Yeah, okay, sorry. Well, we could have been hunting anywhere around there. So we stayed in Cody, Wyoming that one night, and we were so ready. Remember, we were like, "Dude, I'm about to tear up some Belgian waffles in the morning." They had a, that waffle maker you have in hotels. We're like, "Dude, you go over there and you make your waffle, and you take one bite, and you take like two chews, and then you just like <laughs> freeze." And I'm like, "You good?" You're like, "This waffle is not." You're like it's spoiled or something like that. Uh, I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. I do, yeah. Like, and it was sour. That, I mean, it was gross. Like it probably had been like that. The freaking batter probably been sitting in there for two days. Oh, for sure. Un- I mean, just like a pungent sour flavor. <laughs> imagine, imagine like the sourness of like a uh, of like a sour patch kid without the sweetness, but you're chewing a freaking waffle. And that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? what? Oh, oh dude. man. Yeah. Like this. Oh yeah, that was that was terrible, and that was and that was back that was back in college days, man. And it wasn't like, oh, let's just go to a restaurant and eat eat some like proper food. I was like, no, I spent all my money to get here. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember we talked to that dude in the parking lot who's from uh, Illinois, and uh, he was he was talking about he's going into elk hunt, mm-hmm. and I think I think one of us said he- yes sir to him. He's like, don't call me sir. Oh, I didn't remember that. And then you're like, yes, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're so, Jacob's so polite. He's so used to saying, sir. The guy literally said, don't call me, sir. Like, aggravated. And Jacob said, yes, sir. <laughs> He's like, these punks. He's like, stupid hicks from Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're from Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> Man. Oh, gosh. Got stories for days from that trip. That was such a fun trip. <clears throat> yeah. No. Well, that, yeah. <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's. There's a lot there. There's a there's a lot that was funny, but um no, but back to all this. Oh, dude, I'll tell you. Um was it is it when you were at Auburn's when you started trying to deer hunt uh Georgia, right? Yes. Yep. That's I, when I was in Auburn. Real quick, because like you know, we talked about like hunting pressure and everything, and we we talked about this uh, before. Like, because you know, you got like pretty burnout like, like this past season, like you know, having you know more hunters than anything. But how did like this compare this past season, like on some of those hunts, especially later in the season, compared to like that Georgia hunt you went on that quota hunt? That Georgia hunt, oh, man. See, the Georgia hunt's unique because it was a quota hunt, and it's a place that I had bow hunted too. And there was no, there's hardly anybody out there in bow season. There were some guys who you'd stop and talk to. It was always pleasant though. That quota hunt, <clears throat> that place was like. I don't know, a couple thousand acres. And they gave out like 400 tags, like way too many tags, in my opinion, way too many tags for a place that size. I'm like, why are you even doing a quota hunt? Mm-hmm. Like, is it hiked the pressure up so high? I'm like, if you just open <clears> this, it, it, there's no way you could have more people. But everyone drew a permit. And so they felt like uh, they they're obligated go. to go. Dude, I'm talking about, I have the map still um, it, on Scout Look uh, back when I was using that. 
I, I marked everywhere there was a truck because I couldn't find a spot. I literally could not find a spot to pull over and go into the woods. Uh, there was a truck like every 50 yards on every open road and I marked them and it looks ridiculous. It looks fake how many trucks there was. And uh, I was eventually able to get in between two trucks where I'm talking like you're pulling over on the side of the road. You got a truck 100 yards ahead of you and a truck 100 yards behind you. And you're just like <clears> walking in straight into the woods. Like if I see orange, I'm just going to turn around. And I did end up seeing a nice little buck and passing it, which was stupid. Wish I'd have shot that thing. But uh, that was a unique one because I knew roughly how many people were out there. And I drove around and saw how many trucks there were. The one from this past year was equally as bad as far as like trying to get in some spots. But it wasn't wasn't on the same scale because the place that we were hunting was a lot bigger. There were still places you could go in between people. But I'm talking like this other place in Georgia. Like you're never on the road where you where you don't see a truck. Mm-hmm. Like where the other place in Alabama we hunted this past year, you could you're driving around and you're not seeing trucks. But it was more like every spot, every like access point that you want to go to, there's already somebody in it, or everywhere that we're trying to go and actually well, walk into. That's what I say. Even if you want to get creative on access, you'd walk yourself into pressure. Yeah, because yeah. someone would be parking. Like you might park in between access points, which might be mm-hmm. you know three quarters of a mile apart. But when you walk in halfway in between them. Yeah. You're walking into where somebody's coming in from the access and they're swinging into that spot. And it's like, well, what the hell? You know? That happened to me. Yeah, we talked about it <clears> not <throat> long ago. I mean, I, I got, I, I hunted, I made six hunts like morning and evening and I got walked in on five of them. And I thought I was being like creative for some of them. I thought I was See, like, I don't think I got walked in once. Dude, I, don't, I don't think I got walked in on that hunt. Because y'all were complaining about it. I was like, man, I ain't nobody walking in on me. That's brutal. Y'all overthinking where y'all hunting at. Maybe you're probably look, if it looks so good on the map when it's that. Listen, that's one thing. I'm, listen, that's one thing I'm, I'm, I've learned. If it looks great on the maps. You're looking at Onyx, whatever. <clears throat> if it looks good on the maps, and there's like a, is it their quota hunt or like there's a lot of hunting pressure, especially like talking to Alabama. It's like a real popular WMA. Well, like and it's like a gun hunt, like a limited opportunity gun hunt that pops uh-huh. up every like three weeks. If it looks good on the map, hundred percent, there's somebody there at all times of that hunt. Oh yeah, like it's without a doubt. It's like it makes me think now. It's like okay. What is like those things that like when I look at the map, it's just it's not catching my attention. Like all those compounding features. Mm-hmm. Like so many people now are keen in on that. It's like you can't just like, oh, like there's three habitat edges coming in there. You're gonna go in there and you're gonna see flagging tape, or you're gonna find a stand there, or there's gonna be a guy sitting there, or you're sitting there and a guy walks in on you. Oh yeah. That's- oh, don't get me started on the flagging tape in Georgia. Worst thing ever. Sorry, Georgia people. If mm-hmm. if you like it and I'm offending you right now, I'm sorry. Jaw Joe. Where there were they? Where they hang up flag and tape, oh, yeah, and they're like, like safe two, spots. Two days something. from now, two hunters going in a hundred yards. I'm like, West, you can't do that. Just wake up earlier than me and beat me there. Nice. But anyways, anyway. yeah, yep, but yeah, Georgia people that I've talked to are kind of torn on that. I talk most people I talk to really despise that, and then other people are like, well, that's how you do it. So I don't know. I did not like it. <laughs> it was very annoying. Anyways, so one thing that's new has come up over this last week that we just realized is you got a little bit more vacation time right now, mm. or we might be we might be looking at you know you might be coming up to Arkansas, might be doing you know some kind of upland Arkansas trip. Arkansas is on the on it's the on day. deck. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless something way cooler comes up, like if I draw a Kentucky elk tag, then I'd probably still go to Arkansas and do Arkansas and Kentucky. Hey, when's when's the Alabama gear gator tag? Oh, uh, sometime this summer. I, I forget to do it every summer, so I got I got to start. Yeah, me too. We were talking <clears> about that the other day. We got to do it. Um, but yeah, I got more vacation days than I thought. So I know for unless something changes, which I don't think anything will, like a cooler hunt comes up. I'm doing Arkansas. I really want to hunt Arkansas, uh, and then we're gonna go to Wisconsin on an upland hunt. Wisconsin. 
And then after that, uh, I'm pretty open. Uh, I'm still trying to decide what I want to do, what time of year uh, I oh, want to go. You know what you can do? You know what you can do? What? I don't even want to say it on here. No, I won't say it on here. There's a hunt you can do. I don't even want to talk about it. What? I just don't want to. Is it a deer hunt? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> what is it? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 You have to learn. You have to learn. <laughs> you got to draw Iowa. Oh, Iowa. I could do Iowa. Yeah. See, there wasn't much enthusiasm. I, guess I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, <clears throat> I, like, I want to go shoot a big giant buck, but I don't know. I don't know if that hunt's the one that, like, appeals to me that much. So, like, like Arkansas is? frozen cornfields. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I, and Debbie, I'd like to do it one day, but I don't know if that's, like, my because I want to get out and like do some adventuring, adventuring really, yeah. some adventuring this year. What's your definition of adventuring? I don't know places where I can walk far and figure stuff out. I don't know cornfields just don't do it for me because there's other places I'm going to hunt cornfields before that. So I don't know. Anyways, hmm? anyways, well I'm not going to say it on here. Mm. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Man, you ain't, you ain't want to mention Iowa on here? You're one, you're afraid everyone's gonna no, because everybody already puts in for Iowa. Sorry, sorry, crapshoot. Anyways, <clears throat> now um, one thing I'm I'm still trying to figure out is uh, going to maybe go to Oklahoma. I'm trying to mm. trying to work on that connection. So yeah, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I might go to Wyoming or Montana with y'all in September on an upland hunt. Might wait and do something else. I don't know yet. You, I, I'm really you, waiting you, until you, I, you need to go to Arizona with us. We'll go to Arizona. I could do Arizona. I mean, I don't know. I think I'd, I, I think I'm more interested in Wyoming or Montana than Arizona. Okay. But I, mean, I, I agree too. No, I, I would too. Like out of all yeah. of them. Yeah. For I sure. mean, Arizona looks cool. Like I've been in the desert before. It's, it's really, really cool, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm probably not going to draw, but I'm just waiting until you know, Kentucky results come out. Cause if, cause it, like I was telling you, the one in a million chance I do draw that, then I'm like all in on that. But can you take a can you take a guess? I mean, like, like, like yeah. I mean, you can take people. You can't shoot. Oh, yeah, I know. But but yeah, dude, you can take people. I was gonna go with a friend of mine, Drew, a couple of years ago, and he ended up not going. And uh, I was gonna go with him, but yeah. So that's uh, that's that's my dream hunt, dude. Hopefully, I can draw it. But anyways, uh. Yeah, boys, we got we got some uh, good content coming up over the next couple weeks. We're planning some series for everybody over the summertime, so uh, y'all be watching out for that stuff. We already got some of them recorded. We've been teasing y'all with it. First one is dropping on Monday, so be looking out for that. Uh, first hardcore deer episode of the season going into the summer, so we're excited about that. And then hopefully we'll get out in the woods and water and and have some uh, other stuff worth talking about. I know this. This weekend, I'm I'm definitely gonna go scouting. I'm gonna see if I can drag Jake along with me. You gonna, you gonna go? Sure, I'll be there. Should be there. All right, let's do it. Sweet. All you, right. You, so either, uh, either there, we're going to the lake, man. <clears throat> well, uh, hey, we'll do both. Uh, we'll have we'll have some interesting stuff to talk about uh, as far as outdoor activities. But anyways, Jacob, you got anything else over there? No, I was gonna say just exciting. You know, it the the ties are turning. You know, getting on some whitetails. You know, again, God bless y'all, if y'all. If y'all your turkey season goes for like another month. That's awesome. Just yeah, go back, so, go sorry. back, go back and look at. If you're just now starting to listen to the podcast and you're want, you're like in turkey season, go back and listen to the turkey episodes from this year. We get we got yep. some good ones. For Our past time. years, our past years had that too. Absolutely. Yeah. But appreciate everybody's support. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, and we'll catch you back here in the next episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast.
All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear how do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.